Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, welcome to Texans Unfiltered. I am taking over this week. Uh, James is in California being a slacker, I don't know, playing in the ocean or in the beach, um, in the snow. I don't know. California pretty much has everything. So he's just, you know, being being a bum. So we're going to take over. And we got a special guest, uh, Cody. He's going to help co-host this week, hopefully keep the uh, show going and keep it entertaining. First off, I want to start off with uh, just giving a shout-out to uh, uh, Running Game Clothing. Um, they're, of course, our, our sponsor. Use uh, the code UNFILTERED. Get 25% off. I know it's after Christmas. It's probably a little bit late to get your gifts. But, you know, get something for yourself. I'm sure somebody gave you some money, or if not, then, you know, use a credit card. All right, Cody, how are you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing really well. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I just drove back from Nashville, Tennessee, so I'm a little tired and a little sore. So don't mind me if you hear me moving around a little bit, but it's all right. No worries, man. No worries. Uh, I got my dog snoring behind me, so don't mind me if you hear her. No worries. All right. So what did you think about this game? Uh, It was a lot of emotions, Um, sometimes ecstatic highs and very destitute lows at other times. But, man, it had everything. uh, summary, uh, I think that, like, I'm the general person in our Discord that tries to be maintaining the most amount of positivity, um, and I think I still have some nuggets of positivity to sprinkle in over this game, but it, overall, like I said, I'd rather take a, an ugly loss over a beautiful, or sorry, an ugly win over a beautiful loss any day. Yeah, that's one of the questions that I actually had with my dad. It's Going back, would we rather watch that Seahawks game, which was just an absolute game of beauty. It's from Deshaun's rookie year. When you say the Seahawks game, everybody knows what you're talking about. That was a phenomenal game. It was a lot of fun. Would we rather have one of those again, or would we have, you know, another win where we're now 10-5? and five? I, I take another win any day of the week, um, personally. But, I mean, that Seahawks game was glorious and brilliant. But, again, I'd take a win any any day of the week. Yeah, that of course that Seahawks game is one of the one of the best Texans losses of all time. They'll probably play it on the NFL Network again. It'll probably be one of the games they play when Deshaun is Deshaun's career is over and they do one of the highlight games. But it's as a fan base in general, as much as we're fussing and moaning about not winning, it really does seem like the vast majority of people would rather have a Seahawks game where we go out there the offense lights the world on fire and then we lose versus this game where, I don't know, Deshaun, Deshaun just looked a little lost. And we grinded it out. Thank you for, uh, for Santa Jameis because you really did gift that game to us. But a win is a win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it just comes down to perspective. A lot of it. Um, I mean, it, it was an ugly game for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we won. Um, we beat a team that was pretty much red hot coming into this, and that's like the second week in a row we've done that. Um, a lot of people counted us out coming into this. Um, and again, we won, and we clinched the AFC South. Um, I think, again, the AFC South is, is not enough, just like the, the T-shirts that our players were wearing after the game. But I think just going into it that way um, – we should be happy. Um, again, there, there's some, there's a lot of ugliness that happened in this game, but there's a, a few s- sprinklings of actual good things that I think are very positive for us going forward. Yeah, I mean, every single team, put whatever division is, is not enough. That's just what Nike's rolling with as their generic playoff slogan this year. And, you know, but it's true, especially for this team. If you sat there and took a look back at, at franchises that have had success in the teens, we're right there um, with, you know, not the Patriots. The Patriots win every year, but just, you know, we're right there with the Steelers. We're right there with 
I don't know. Who's another team that really dominated uh, their division? I think this this isn't this is unfortunately the same division, but I saw a Reddit post recently that was uh, the win loss ratios of every team this past decade, and we're literally tied with the Colts, which is awful to say, but also kind of somewhat okay to say, but still feels just disgusting to say out loud. Yeah, and if you sit there and you actually take a step back, you feel do you do you feel like the general consensus that Indianapolis is actually happier with their franchise than we are with ours? Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. I mean, um, I like to spy and look into their fan base, never actively participate, but they're pretty furious with how this season has gone, and no, I like no, no, not they the have season, very good rate. Not necessarily season, but the franchise in general. Like, I feel as though uh, they're happier with their GM, they're happier with their coach. They're, of course, yeah. livid at their lord and savior, Andrew Luck, but... Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, I don't know if they have as much, like, hope as we might have had kind of in our our before Deshaun Watson era. Um, but I think they do absolutely trust their coach and their GM. But, again, I don't know if they have that bead of hope that things are going to get better really soon, if that makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. Um. But, yeah, speaking of things that are going to get better really soon, some things that I actually saw that I really liked from this game, um, you all had spoken um, either last week or a couple weeks previously about how you were really impressed with um, this team and showing us different ways that we could win, especially on the offensive front. To me, this was kind of showing us that we could win defensively, especially without J.J. Um, It kind of got a little bit muddy towards the end. But, I mean, man, like, what, five turnovers it was? Uh, Pick six off of the second play of the game. Um, Reed picking uh, Winston off off of the next pass attempt. It was like all around we had some fluky plays, but, like, it was a really good defensive showing from, from us. And it was a pretty good thing to see going into the playoffs. Um, there's a lot of improvement to be had on the defense, but it was nice to see our defense actually come through to make us a, to give us a win. Yeah, that's just another way to win, and this was not led by the offense at all. It wasn't even it wasn't led by the special teams. It was led, <laughs> no, not at all. It was led by our defense. And I don't know, are we do you can taking all these things in into perspective, do you think that we are a top team in the AFC? Not just a division winner, but an actual top team. That's a hard one. Um, I certainly think that we have the potential to be a top team. Like that, That's the thing. Um, like Floor and ceiling is, is just the problem with our team. We've shown that we can beat the, or we've shown we can beat the Patriots. We've shown we can beat the, the Chiefs. We kind of got whomped by the Ravens. But like I, I do think we can hang in there with, with the top of teams. We generally seem to be having problems, at least when we're getting stomped with the worst of teams, which is something I'll take. I'd, I'd rather get stomped by the bad teams and win to the great teams any day of the week because you're going to play good teams in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, that that's just kind of my perspective on things there. Yeah, when we're all done with the season and we're looking back on it, the fact that we lost to the Broncos and the Panthers is just going to be the – it's going to be the most head-scratching thing ever. Yeah, I mean, but the Patriots get some of those games every year, too, um, and no one really, like – I guess there are the couple of weeks where they're saying the Patriots dynasty is dying or Brady's done, which they're saying a lot this year. But, like, they had fluky losses last year, too, like to Miami with the Miami Miracle and ended up winning the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying we're going to win the Super Bowl, um, but, like, every team has those fluky losses. Um, it's, it's just ha- – it's football. Yeah, for real. All right, well, let's kind of get into it, get into the breakdown after we kind of uh, have a quick question for you. Absolutely. Have you ever heard Tim Kelly speak? Yes. Uh, I actually, uh, much like you, I pretty much listen to everything this team puts out, whether it be interviews or just people talking about us. So I'm, like, habitually addicted to this team. So I literally just got done listening to his one-minute and, like, 36-second interview, after like, today, which was he rushed off that stage. Nice. Well, I'm going to play a clip for people, partly just okay. because I have a new toy and I can. And I do it. Part was, you know, I want, I, want, it, I want to make sure everybody knows what Tim Kelly sounds like. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, each each game is independent, you know, let alone each year. So I think uh, 
um, you know, it is. It, it's all execution, and that's the frustrating part with it is because a lot of times it's it's, more, it's mostly a self-inflicted wound that ends up stalling the drive. So, again, that, that's something we're going to focus on this week, and, and hopefully we can come out and get some better results. You said that there were multiple breakdowns. Uh, what, was, what was the source of those breakdowns you saw yeah, it was uh, just like we said, just like I, uh, excuse me, lack of execution from from different <coughs> position groups. I swear to God, he could be Bill O'Brien's little son. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, he learned everything from Bill O'Brien down to how to talk to the media. I, yeah, that's that's not a joke. Like, <laughs> I swear, Bill O'Brien I mean, gives him a little book, and he's like, "Okay, you're gonna read this page, this paragraph, and in this tone with this voice, because they they sound related." But at the same time, his very generic response that it's all about execution is right. Oh, I 100% agree. 100%. Got to be one of the easiest answers ever for a a coach. Why didn't y'all execute? Because we didn't execute. (laughs) Uh, Standard is a standard and all that. No, I I totally agree, though. Like, um, I think, like, game plan-wise, we actually came into it with a fairly decent game plan, at least defensively. Offensively, that was kind of hard to throw it out just because of the total lack of execution. Um, but, I mean, fans are going to complain all day about coaches, but that that's just going to happen. But at the end of the day, players need to execute. They're the people on the field. And, yeah, that's, that's the biggest problem I saw. I just got done watching the All-22 before coming into here, and... That was the biggest problem I could see from anything was just mistakes and lack of execution. Yeah, it typically is when you pull up the All-22, and honestly, I am just now rewatching the condensed version. I tried to watch this game while driving to Nashville, and, you know, Tennessee Tennessee is, a, is an embarrassment of a state. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of nice spots there, but for the vast majority of that state, like, they don't have cell phone coverage. So this great idea of, you know, streaming your game and having my wife drive, and it was going to be perfect. It lined up exactly with when my little boy takes his nap. I'm like, I'm going to be able to watch the game, and I swear the whole time I'm just sitting there watching a circle just spin. Oh, man, so frustrating. Right. Well, at least, at least you didn't have to watch as much of the frustration on the field then. But you know, I think that actually made me more frustrated. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can think, feel that. I think my wife looked at me over there, hitting my phone, just pounding it, like, what is wrong? <laughs> Are y'all losing? And she, uh, at I, the end of the game, she was like, there were several times where, where I'm like, all right, we got it. We got it. It's over. And she's like, isn't the game over yet? I'm like, no, no, no. There's still time left. They, they messed up again. Oh, yeah. I think um, – that kind of there was there's like a list of takeaways I wrote down and kind of the most disappointing thing to me that kind of sums up this game was that after uh, a die or I can always I can never get pronounce his name right but after he got that final kind of game ending interception we gave the ball back to them you and know? that's just like uh, when sorry. A, hey somebody else must have up names I'm, I feel good I might actually get it right yeah die made the interception <laughs> and. All we had to do was kneel it out, and we got a penalty, which stopped the clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lined it up to give Jameis 30 seconds. Maybe it was like 23 seconds. It wasn't much, but it was just a little bit. And Jameis, just because of how he plays, I was absolutely terrified. And, of course, my phone froze. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's been frustrating. I refreshed it and it, and it finally comes through and, and they won. And I'm just like, I think my poor wife thought I was gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> I think my girlfriend is right there with how loud I was during that game. Oof, oof. Yeah, man, that was uh, like I said, a whirlwind of emotions that three-hour span. All right, well let's get into it. I think we ran on first down. 21 times. Yeah, I just watched that. Um, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers there, but I can tell you that it largely wasn't successful. Um, the defensive effort from Tampa Bay was just incredible. I really have to say that. Um, Vita Bay, however you pronounce his name again, I'm sorry, but like he had a game this this game, absolutely incredible, making plays everywhere. Oh, I'm sorry. We uh, we had 15 first downs, so. No. 
how many three and outs did we have? I wrote percentages down. Like we had twenty eight point five, twenty like twenty nine percent on third down conversions versus them fifty three. So not great there. Yeah. Well, we had sixty three total plays. At one point, I can't remember how many exactly first downs we had because you know driving in a car, my note taking was horrible. Um, two first down plays were pass plays for the entire game. Now, based on Bill O'Brien's comments in the past that Watson has full control of the playbook at the line of scrimmage, what the hell are we doing running on first down every single time against the number one ranked rush defense? Ah, man, I have no answers for you there. And like I said, um, they were just stonewalling us the entire game. Nick Martin, who I actually think has had a pretty good season with us, uh, which a lot of people will disagree with me about, but, like, he was just getting beat the entire game and getting no push. It, I, I can't answer that for you, but, yeah, it was not working for us. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that who do you, who do you put the blame on? Um, I don't think there's any one person you can put the blame on. Um. I mean, it's there's 22 people on the field, 11 people on our on our side, but like, I think this was all around probably our worst offensive line showing of the year. Um, and I don't know if it was just a really great defensive showing from Tampa Bay all around, um, but there the amount of penetration in the run game was really incredible from Tampa Bay standpoint. Um, we got. I wrote it down. We have something like a total of 68 rushing yards the entire game. Um, Hyde has like 20. Deshaun Watson was our leading rusher at 37 yards. We had 26 um, attempts for 68 yards. Yeah, it was just like they they came to play. Um, they absolutely came to play. Like their defense was just phenomenal that game. Um, and our passing couldn't get started either. So I really don't know who I would really give the blame to, um, other than I just think there was a all-around lack of execution from people. There was probably some bad play calls sprinkled in there, but yeah. Well, pretty much the point that I was trying to get to, um, except I'm I'm very poor at hosting, so you got to bear with me a little bit on this. That no worries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I um, talk a lot, so I'm sorry. No worries. That Bill O'Brien. When it was Tom Brady, he usually gave him three plays at the line of scrimmage. And from those three plays, each one of the plays had a run or a pass variation. So this is that whole where the the um, the, the story that the offensive is very, very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. And with that, you'd go up to the line of scrimmage based on what he saw. He would put him in a certain um, formation. Uh, certain players in certain spots, just essentially always what they're looking for is the mismatch. Mm -hmm. That is the absolute core belief in Bill O'Brien's offense. There is a guiding principle, which people tend to forget, is find the mismatch. Find the mismatch. Now, if he's truly doing the same thing in Houston that he was doing in New England, and according to T.J. Yates, he was on – the quarterback podcast last offseason, he says that they are doing the exact same thing that they are doing in New England. So, again, we have to kind of connect all these dots sometimes because our coaches don't talk about anything. Yeah. Um, to our frustration. Yeah, no kidding. So, based on that, even if they've simplified it a little bit for Deshaun because Deshaun is running an offense that oh, – that Brady was eight years into the league as a quarterback before he had to run this offense. Uh, remember, they ran a much simpler um, traditional pro style um, for a long time in New England, and then they switched to a spread, which this offense really is a spread offense. And so if they're simplifying it, not because Deshaun Watson isn't as smart as Brady, just because he's not as experienced as he was. So let's go with this guess that he's going up to the – line of scrimmage with only two plays. And both of those plays have a run or a pass variation. 
So who is picking the run play? It's Deshaun. He is seeing what he thinks is a mismatch because that's the core tenet of Bill O'Brien's offense. Fine. The mismatch, exploit it. Sometimes it's with tempo where you exploit just a personnel grouping. Sometimes it's one player that you know you can pick on. So whatever Tampa Bay was doing was making Deshaun believe that there was a mismatch in the run game. Mm-hmm. This is not the first time that a team has done this to the Texans. Um, we've had games, several games last year, where our run pass, especially on offense, would skew way too far to run. Now, I don't know this for sure. There's also another belief that if you've got a team that's got a very, very good pass rush, you're not really running to gain yards. You're just running to hurt the pass rusher. I mean, think about it. Football's physical. You don't care about the efficiency. You know that if the guy gets punched in the gut a couple of times, he's not going to run as fast, Mm -hmm. Um, which is something that always seems to get lost when people talk about running on first downs. So that's... Those are the two thoughts that I'm kind of having, and I don't know which one's right. I'm just kind of throwing them out there. You just, you know? Yeah. Um, I also don't really know. Like, I, I absolutely believe that Deshaun has at least two to three plays to call at the line of scrimmage at any given time. Um, I have no idea what mismatch he was seeing, especially, like you said, against the number one run defense in the entire league. Um, but it's something that has to be fixed. Um, one thing that I'll at least like say about Deshaun is that while he usually gets fooled, he doesn't generally get fooled at least a third time. He might get fooled a second time or so, but generally he'll figure it out. Um, so, I, I mean, I have pretty much every faith in Deshaun for at least improving in that aspect, but yeah, that that was not something great seeing going into the tail end of the season and going into the playoffs. Yeah, to me that's what's concerning. But there is a little bit to Deshaun's character, which is also what part of makes him great. He sometimes doesn't care if there's a mismatch there or not. He just believes wholeheartedly we're going to beat it. Mm. And that to me is actually Deshaun's. It's part of his strength, but it's also his greatest weakness. Because there's like times, dude, it's like, you know. It's just not working. Let's, let's play smart. Let's just not try. Let's, we're not going to always be better. Sometimes we've got to be smarter. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, secondly, the big big thing about our offense is why do you think it crash and, crashes and burns without Will Fuller? I think it's a complicated issue, or like a complicated answer. Um, I certainly don't think I have the answer. Um, I think a big part that a lot of people aren't talking about, other than just you know like Fuller's mad speed and really great route running abilities is that there's a lot of inexperience on our wide receiver group outside of just Hopkins and Fuller. Um, You take them out, we have Stills, who's again very new to the system. We have Carter, um, very new to the system as well. I mean, he's had a year. Um, And then we have Kiki, who's missed all of training camp with an injury. And at least I know you're pretty familiar with my rants on uh, Discord, but other listeners might be might not be. But one of my biggest complaints is when Fuller goes out is just wide receivers running the wrong route, um, especially Kiki. Um, and I just I, I see that a lot, especially in Tampa Bay. There was several times where Stills ran the wrong route, and you could see Deshaun getting on him. And so I, I think it's a matter of like an execution and just maybe not having the right personnel to run some of these plays without Fuller. Yeah, I think that. That's pretty much really what it is. It boils down to just trust with stills within the system. Um, if you look at some of the um, analytics guys, Kenny Stills is actually one of the most efficient receivers in, in the league. Mm-hmm. He wins more deep routes than just about any receiver in the league. He is really a one-for-one replacement for Will Fuller, Will Fuller on deep routes. I am going to definitely hear that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but still, I mean, Stills is a hell of a player. He's just... Oh, absolutely. He missed... He was on the Dolphins for training camp. He was on the Dolphins for preseason. That chemistry is just not there. And if you go back and you watch some of the full, or some of the throws to Fuller, it's not even that he's open. Watson just trusts him. He's like, I don't care. I know... He has uh, that relationship with both Hopkins and Fuller. Just throw him the ball, and something good will happen. It's not throwing him open. It's not even waiting for him to open. It's not even waiting for a window. That goes back to what we were just kind of talking about. Sometimes Watson 
doesn't really care what the mismatch is. He thinks that his guys and that he himself is going to beat you no matter what. And he has that faith in Hopkins, and he has that faith in Fuller. He should have that faith in Stills, and they're just they're just not on that page yet. They just don't have that relationship yet. Because if you, again, you just watched the All-22, you've probably seen Stills out there running all by himself. Like, what the hell yeah. is going on out there? <laughs> you can sit down there and have a have a little teepee and have a little party all by himself because <laughs> there's nobody around him. And Watson just doesn't have that relationship with him yet. And who knows what's going on with Kiki. That's got to – that's just him and Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I wa- Here's the thing that's scary about Kiki. They've talked about that 2-2-1, two, two, we win two, lose one, which is probably going to happen again. Guess what also happens during that one? What's that? Kiki starts. Every game that he, start, he started, we lost. Yeah, I've, I've, I call that out in the Discord just in a mad rant about Kiki, but yeah – um, I, it's not all his fault, it's, but he is host of some really bad offensive mistakes this year. And I really don't think it's something that can't be coached out. Most of his problems seem to be just, like, between the ears. Um, and I think if he just is given some time, hopefully during training camp, and a healthy training camp, he could hopefully sort it out. But like you all have pointed out many, many, many times on this uh, podcast, once you're in Bill O'Brien's doghouse, it is very hard to come out of it, and I would not be surprised to see Kiki on another team next year, but that might be a little too tinfoil hatty. Man, I hope not. I, Kiki's from Lufkin. I'm from Lufkin. Yeah. So I've always got a soft spot. I even have. I even like Dez. Like, don't tell James. <laughs> I think he may kick me off the podcast for years. <laughs> It's okay, he's a Lakers fan. You know? But I want Kiki to su- I want him to succeed. Um Same. I just I think that that the uh 49ers are going to offer like a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick or some sort of comp pick or something and he's going to go back and Wes Welker who had the ability to talk to him and they're going to pair up and they're going to do great things and we're all going to be sad like what on earth happened? And it's something that's been pointed out by many publications that the Texans are excellent at teaching players how to run routes. However, Kiki runs his routes a little bit differently because of where he went to school and the air raid philosophy there. And I think Welker was able to translate that, and they're just not having that same that same sort of communication with Andre Johnson, who's out there helping teaching them how to run routes now versus what it was with Wes Welker. And that's what happened to Kiki. And it's just, it sucks because last year you saw what he could be when he was healthy. And oh, yeah. this year he's healthy, but he's not mentally healthy. I mean, I absolutely believe that. Um, Weckler, I cannot talk today, but I believe he... Uh, it's he contagious. Went to it's hard, isn't it? I know, dude. It's so hard, especially when you're being recorded. I mean, he went to Texas Tech also, didn't he? Like, yeah, he did. I, so take, I, I definitely, I definitely can see that connection well, there. Take and just Pecos like, Bill was his nickname out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I can definitely see that connection in that. Just um, I, I like I like the the 49ers connection makes way too much sense to me to not see that as a possibility. Um, if that was the case, I would hope we'd get more, but we wouldn't. It's it's just the fact of the matter. Um, We're gonna get crap, and honestly. I don't know. Somebody figure out what – well, let's talk about Will Fuller a little bit. Okay. Um, He's now gotten this reputation as being fragile. Yeah. And remember when he – those first couple injuries that he had, those were just kind of freaky things, like a broken collarbone. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year's ACL was freaky also. Yeah, that was a dirty tackle. Yeah, as a person who's had – Multiple ligaments torn in my knee. That was definitely freaky. Yeah. A dirty tackle. And yeah, anyway, go on. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. That's actually the point that I was going to go t- down because we, me and you have both had knee surgery. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people kind of appreciate because you do – there's a lot of players that luck out. They have their ACL repaired, and then they don't really have a lot of the soft tissue issues. But I can tell you as somebody that's had their ACL repaired um, – I have all sorts of calf issues and 
and hamstring issues and even back issues all because of it. It's, they're all kind of connected. And Same. I don't – honestly, I don't know if Will Fuller will ever get better. He's got a way better medical support and training staff than I ever did. But for some people, when they go through um, ACL repair – and it kind of depends also how they repaired their, his ACL. I don't know if they used his hamstring, if it was cadaver, if it was from a spatella. We, we don't know. And each way of restoring your ha- – or each way of repairing the hamstring has different risks that kind of go with it. I'm very curious to see how they did Deshaun's because Deshaun's never really had, like, hamstring issues and calf issues. Granted, knock on wood, he prob- probably is now. That may be what's going on with his back. But some players are like Deshaun where they get their ACL repaired and they're all right. And then there's some players that are like Will Fuller that once they've had their ACL repaired, it takes a couple of years before they truly bounce back. Yeah, I think it just comes down to a lot of what is being asked of the different positions too. Like Deshaun's not being asked to just sprint 50 times a game full speed down down uh, the sidelines like a Fuller is. Um but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I have back issues from my my knee. Mine was a knee. Mine was an ACL, MCL, meniscus, and a couple other things. So like, I my my entire right side of my body is pretty much destroyed. Um, I do think Fuller will be able to eventually see a healthy season. It's just going to take a lot of recovery, and I think much more than people actually realize. It's not just something that you do six months of rehab and you're fine. It's something that's like a continual effort that you always have to, like this is now something you kind of do, especially if you're an athlete. Um, And Fuller's really going to have to just like take time with the the amazing medical staff that he has in his hands to really just isolate all those individual muscle imbalances to really get that back into order. Yeah, and Again, it is something that you, you kind of live with for the rest of your life. Like, more power to these guys that have had multiple ones. I've had it on, on my right knee, and I had my meniscus removed as well, and I definitely feel the weather. I feel it when I don't stretch. I can't just, I mean, I just can't get up and, and go like I used to. And so bless these guys for being able to for being able to, to do it and recover the way that they can. But we've also got kind of got to remember they're still people. They're still dealing with the same stuff that regular people do. They just have way better resources, and they're way better athletes. So oh, sometimes abs- it's still going to sneak up on them. Abs- I think that's my main takeaway from any loss or any, like, ugly game or win or anything is that these are all human beings, um, all prone to mistakes or losses and just being fluky. Um, I think if anybody can just remember that they're all human beings, it'll go a long way to their uh, satisfaction during a season. No kidding. And especially when – so Twitter kind of makes me very, very angry that you have to pick a side who you're mad at. Are you mad at Deshaun? Are you mad at Bill O'Brien? And if you criticize one, then you're on the other, in the other side's camp. And this is where sometimes I kind of understand where James gets on to Houston fans about how we are too much of um, – our, our guys, we are, we are way too protective of our guys. Like, we can't see fault in them. Oh, we are, though. I, <laughs> we are, but here's the thing with even Deshaun, and I'm going to kind of address him getting trashed on Twitter. He's having a great season. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes down to perspective. Like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's got, like, what, 34 total touchdowns to, like, half of the intercept. Like, if that's his down year, I'll take that any day of the week. And the main complaint right now seems to be that it's not even complaining that Deshaun is having a bad season. They're complaining that he's not having the Pat Mahomes season or the Lamar Jackson season. That our coaching staff should run him more and use him in a way that is similar to Similar to Lamar Jackson and similar to Patrick Mahomes. Well, first off, I'm going to address the Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, part of the reason he's so good is he has Tyreek Hill. And Texans were never, ever, ever going to draft Tyreek Hill, as well as 31 other teams. Tyreek Hill fell because he did some very, very bad things. But you look at the splits with him on the field versus him not on the field, 
and that's when Patrick Mahomes looked human again. So, very similar to Sean with that fuller. Very, very similar. This is not just a product of coaching. It's a product of personnel. Now, the Texans are actually, I think they're in a really, really good spot personnel-wise. We are going to probably end up being more balanced and less star-heavy than the Chiefs are over the next couple of years. And I've said for the past two years, look at the third year in. Um after after his rookie season. So not last year, not this year, but next year was the year that I'd kind of pinpointed where Deshaun would take the next leap, not just because of where he's at, but because of where the players are around him. We have a very, very young team on offense. If you look at some of the guys that have been brought onto the roster, they've only been on the roster a year or two. Mm-hmm. And just wait for that whole group to kind of coalesce and gel. They don't have the guys that are just amazing superstar talents like the Travis Kelseys and the Tyreek Hill. Well, actually, I mean, I would argue that Hop is better than Tyreek in a lot of regards, but it's a different type of better. Yeah. Um, but they just haven't had that. This group's going to take a little bit more time to gel. And I think that longer, long-term, we're going to have a more consistent offense than what we see in Kansas City. Now, Baltimore, on the other hand, Lamar Jackson, part of the reason he's doing so well is because of the amount that he runs. Now, I hope that it continues indefinitely, that he has a nice career playing the style that he is. However, let's be realistic, that usually does not happen. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to run that much, as many times as he does, he's going to end up getting prone to injury. Um you made a comment about us having an overall very young team and us needing time to gel. Our, I think the oldest member on our offensive line is 27, which is Zach Fulton, just to put some perspective in there. Like we have, like you said, a very young team. Um, and then from the Ravens, uh, the Ravens, I think, will ultimately be dealt the death of time, where you have like Marshall Yonda, who is very at the tail end of his career, um, still very good guard, but his guard, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we're in a very good position going forward. Um, and I don't think a lot of people really appreciate that. All right. Well, let's move on to the defense. So they won us this game. They absolutely did. I think we have to, uh, give them nothing but applause. Um, there were some plays that they obviously, that obviously escaped them, but overall they, they absolutely won us this game. Just from the parts that I saw, we could have easily had three to four more interceptions. Yeah, you had Conley, um, at least on the goal line, who dropped one that went straight into his hands. Um, There was a Justin Reed one where if he maybe have hustled a little bit, but he wouldn't have known that the ball was going to be overthrown, that he could have gotten it. I don't know the other one, but, yeah, there was a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah, yeah, that's that one. There was a lot of missed opportunities. And the very same, there was a lot of, like, very lucky breaks. There was, like, two or three, like, missed touchdown passes that were just from a Jameis Winston overthrow. One was, like, had considerable amount of pressure on him. Um, but that was kind of the ebb and flow of this game, where it was just, like, a lot. we ultimately made do on our opportunities more than they did. Yeah, I think this is one of those games that me and James actually predicted right. Um, Winston was going to get his. I think he ended up throwing for it was like 326 or so, I think, somewhere around there. We um, held him under 400, I know that. 329 yards. Okay, somewhere. Yeah, it was close. So for him, that's an off game. Granted, there's he did this without Evans or Godwin. I mean, but Perryman, he's, he's still a first-round receiver. Yeah. Right? I mean, yep. He helped me win the fantasy championship. Yeah, but, uh, uh Yeah, I mean, like, the, the Tampa Bay offense is just built to get yards. And Romeo Cornell said that before this week. He, he even, like, expected them to throw all – I forget the exact quote, but he basically said, like, yeah, I expect Winston to throw 300 yards on us, but it really just comes down to the touchdowns and the score at the end of the day. Like, that is the Bruce Arians offense is just huck it and chuck it. Yeah, it's chuck it, get big chunk plays, and then 
and then you can't convert the next first down. Get 30 yards exactly. and, then, and then you can't get two. That is the Buccaneers in a nutshell. And, I mean, it's still – it's going to be interesting to see the next couple of years with Arians and, and Jameis, and I think that they're going to have some shootouts. And they're one of those teams that if they get hot, they can – they can absolutely crush you. I mean, they actually did have four games without a Jameis interception, which is the most mind-boggling. I can't even believe it. Like, I, I want to double-check. Um, what is the pro football stats? <laughs> Just to double-check. Like, are you sure? <laughs> did that really happen? Because he, he more than makes up for it in the other 12 games. Oh, um, absolutely. However, I... They're still, I mean, they're 7-8 now. I mean, they're not, they are not the dregs of the league. They are, they've they've been very competitive. A 500 team is not bad. Not at all. And, like, coming into this game, they had two games of 450 yards plus. I forget the amount of touchdowns that Jameis threw in them, but it was, like, considerable offensive output. Um, this was another one of those games where we, like, Squench the fire of a, on like a hot team. We did that with Tampa. Or we did that with Tampa. We did that with the Titans. Um, so I think that's another positive to take from this. It's like we we are a killer of other teams' hype. Yeah. However, even though Justin Reed could have had two more interceptions, he's definitely my player of the game. Yeah, I think like him. Um, I don't. I don't really know who else I'd give it to him. Maybe Roby just for the pick six. Um, I think Justin Reed deserved that. That pick six, that block in the back, or was it um, blindside block? It was pretty weak. It was a block. You watched it all. Yeah, you watched it all twenty-two. Yeah. What was Aminahu thinking? Uh, it was there. I think it was a weak call. I understand it being called, but it was it was a pretty weak call. But yeah. Well, I mean, he shouldn't have been in that position. He didn't impact the play. Yeah. Yeah. That was just him saying, "Hey, I get to hit somebody." <laughs> uh, which I at least respect that outlook. You know. Um, Always. But. Again, uh, Reed had a – when Reed is out there and healthy, that just does something else with our defense. And it's kind of crazy to see how athletic our secondary has gotten. And J.J. gets an interception, and he's still only out there, what, like 20% of the snaps? Yeah, it was insane how was, little he was out there. I think they said it was his lowest snap count of the year. And still, he's now number one Texans history in interceptions. Yeah. Best free agent signing ever. Ever. There should be no argument about that by any podcast whatsoever. And if there is, you know, they're just wrong. I agree there. But I think that's another thing we have a lot to look forward to is just the evolution of our secondary. Just in this year, this year alone has been incredible. Um, I thought I was pretty hyped on all of our fifth and seventh round picks that we had coming into the season, but now just all of the first round talent that we have, like we're, we're in a really good spot going forward. Um, I do think we need to make a priority of re-signing Roby, but our secondary has gone under a tremendous transformation. Yeah, I, I agree with Roby. And again, we have to give James credit every time we say Roby, as he called at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, he was really good in Madden, I have to say. Like, I totally understand where he's coming from. Yeah, he was a beast in Madden, but couldn't play zone, and we had been a notorious zone team. Who would have thought that Bill O'Brien actually told us the truth when he said, we're going to play more press man? And I'm so happy. Conley has been working out so well, too, um, in the times we've had him out there. He's, what, the tied for second and the most pass uh, breakups. Yeah. Some, I saw that in PFS something. Uh, I, some probably hyper cherry picks that. You know, every stat is cherry So we'll just kind of go with that because it makes us feel good. Absolutely. Um, anytime the PFS is in our favor, they're wonderful. Anytime they go against us, they're total BS. All right. Well, let's – yeah, no, no kidding. Let's kind of use that as a segue unless you have anything more to say about the defense. Um, that's really about it. Well, I would say that our biggest weakness in our defense is still our pass rush. I agreed, but hey, uh, that Christmas news, that early Christmas present. Dude, talk about a Christmas present. Oh, <laughs> We've been uh, rumblings. 
I was going to let you officially say it so you could break the news to some, you know, people who don't necessarily have internet updates. If you're listening to the podcast and you don't know what we're talking about, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have words for you. I just don't. I mean, it's it's JJ's coming back. You've, everybody knows it. By the time you've listened to it, you've heard it. But we're happy. We're excited. And that's what we need right now. We know that he's going to be a part-time player. I don't care if he's only a third-down player. There are times when what or damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> the stupid NFL broadcast. Rich Eisen, I know you're a legend. <laughs> but not being able to tell the difference between Watson and Winston. Combined with the fact that they also had a wide receiver named Watson, made it a little challenging. Yeah, that was bad. That was really bad. <laughs> 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 he is an absolute professional, and that is that is not his proudest moment. Yeah, he owned up to it at least. Yeah, and then I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, J.J. is back. And the past couple of weeks of watching opposing teams' quarterbacks stand back there for seven, eight seconds, and then just having a eventually a small window to throw. Hopefully with J.J. back, even if J.J. is just a decoy taking up two blockers, and cuts that time in the pocket from seven seconds to three seconds, that gives our defense the chance to really make some noise in the playoffs. Because now our defense has played, has uh, proven, and they've played well enough to show that they can they can control a game. They have shut down some pretty good quarterbacks. We were less than 30 seconds away from going 3-1 and one against our murderer's row of quarterbacks this <laughs> year. Let's not talk about Lamar. But other than that, like we were so close to having this really, I mean, that first game of the year, throw that out. Those last 30 seconds, on our defense has done everything that we've kind of asked them to do with this schedule. And oh, we've absolutely. done it for more than, for at this point, half the year exactly without J.J. Yeah, I mean, J.J. coming back changes everything. Um, even, like you said, if it's just a third down, uh, if he's just a third down role, we're, like, I think 31st in third down conversion as a defense right now. That would be insane. Um, so many of those pass rushes that you said go from, like, seven seconds to three seconds with now our new upgraded secondary be converted to coverage sacks, um, it, it would just be it, – it, it will be the difference maker in the playoffs for us. More so than I think any other player. Like more so than I think a healthy Fuller. I think a health, like just having JJ there will be so much more impactful. However, our defense has not. Our pass rush really hasn't been as lacking as you would expect. So, do you know what our average on sacks this year has been per game? I do not. Two point one. You know what our average last year was? I do not either. Two point five. Is it 3.5, you said? 2.5. Okay. Okay, that's, that's not terrible. That's not yeah. terrible decline. No JJ, no Clowney. We're off, we're off our pace by about half a sack. So we'll probably end up eight sacks less than last year, which okay. if you had asked just about anybody that bef- at this point or at any point this season that, if, hey, we don't have JJ, we don't have Clowney, I don't think you would expect that. Yeah. I do think the biggest fallout from it, though, is when we do decide to rush three or rush four, that the pressure is at many times non-existent. And when we're going into very, like, nickel and dime sets, that that can really end up, like you said, giving the quarterback, like, seven seconds to throw. J.J. coming back, though, will absolutely change that. And we'll go, again, it'll be night and day. Uh, At least I'm hoping it'll be night and day. Maybe I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. No, that's absolutely true. It took Rack way too long to realize that he could no longer get any sort of pressure rushing three. Like that just does not happen. He has to be creative with it, but you have to give him credit for being as creative as he has. Oh, absolutely. Just like um, Never, ever I play prevent ever again. <laughs> I don't even care if we're outside 30. Just don't. 
Don't, yeah. No, just just let them have that one big play. We'll we'll do fine the rest of the time. Um, but, yeah, I think there was a time where Gibson actually almost got a sack this last game, but, he like, Winston just stepped up because he's a, he's a big dude and can do that. Like, Rack has actually been calling minus maybe one game a really decent game plan outside of Watt getting injured. I think the, the Ravens game was probably the worst. Maybe I might be feeding another one, but I, I think Rack does deserve a, few, a little bit of credit, even after we were questioning if the game has passed him by. No, I think, well, I think the Broncos game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I tried my best to forget that. Yeah, completely. we all tried to just black out, and that didn't really happen. Yeah, uh, no. no, the Broncos loss is definitely on rack. However, yes. it can be argued that the the Panthers loss was on Tim Kelly or Bill O'Brien um, with our offense not being able to do anything. So that, again, that's the nature of football. It kind of happens. Pretty much my only ask and my only hope with J.J. coming back is Rack keeps that creativity even with J.J. there. I know that he's J.J. gives you the ability to kind of not have to bring pressure because J.J. is just going to create pressure. But I hope that Rack continues to use, his, use the disguises blitzes and blitzing more than he has previously, even when J.J. comes back. And I just – I like it when he's playing more aggressive, when our defense plays more aggressive. And I hope they continue to do so. I definitely agree there. Um, as far as, like, just an example of that, that second – or I guess the first Justin Reed interception, the second interception on the game – um, was a really great disguise. Like, we came out showing, I believe, cover two man and then, like, switched to, like, a high cover one. I don't, I'm not too great with football terminology, so forgive me. But, like, it was a pretty great disguise. And I remember watching John Harris's breakdown of it. And, like, literally Winston never even looked to the left side to see the disguise and threw directly into Justin Reed's hands. Um, if we can keep that up with an actual consistent pass rush, we may actually be a little dangerous. Just, I say that though, but I've counted at least three times in this Buccaneers game where they dropped DJ Reader into coverage. Yeah, he got beat real bad by OJ Howard. Those, those weren't great. Let's let's not have the big man play coverage. Let's also not ever have JJ drop into coverage. Yeah, yeah. Granted, I understand the temptation because if you're about to double-team J.J. and he drops into coverage, there's two guys that are essentially blocking air. But let's not. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. I guess at this point you get to talk about fantasy football Um, because you you won the Dynasty League. Congrats. Thank you, sir. Um, Um, You got hot right at the, the right time. Yeah, it was the most pure luck. I think the what separated the champion of this league from the Sacco was one median victory or something. Um, I just want to say that this my my championship of this dynasty league should be very synonymous with our Super Bowl victory this year. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be really lucky. But God damn it, we're going to get it done. <laughs> Well, let's look at. Didn't you have Antonio Brown? <laughs> yes, yes. My uh, fantasy team name is Mr. Big Clowns. So yes, yes, I did. <laughs> so look at what you overcame. Yep. Um, <laughs> you went from being the saddest man on earth to the happiest man on earth to even sadder. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, shout out to Young Hoku. He is my team's MVP. Just throwing it out there, kicker MVP. And dynasties definitely, or like, sorry, uh, defense definitely wins you dynasty championships. I'm just saying that they carried me all the way through. I thoroughly look forward to getting absolutely crushed next year, but I'll be riding highs for years to come. Yeah, I'm not gonna gripe, even though I led the league in scoring. Um, can I just say one one thing? I am so, so happy that uh, James gave away all of his draft picks. Yeah, I think that's why he's kind of, kind of trying to lobby that 
We do a redraft. <laughs> there is a redraft no, no league way. out there as well. Um, I've got to get Thorn K on here for an interview at some point. And, you know, that, that, that exists. If James wants to go play in the kiddie pool, he can go play in the kiddie pool. Mm-hmm. Dynasty mm-hmm. League is, is definitely not a kiddie pool. Um, give him credit because he went all in, but I think – he was like, yeah, I gave away my draft picks for the next five years, so <laughs> let's draft now. <laughs> I'm done with Dynasty. <laughs> yeah. Not the gr- he also tra- ended up trading me Todd Gurley and Odell Beckham Jr., um, so not the greatest of moves, but, you know, like hopefully he won't end up listening to this and hear me just totally talking smack to him. Actually, I mean, that's really not that bad of a move. Get rid of those two guys. But you, yeah, but you won, so yeah. I won. I'll, I'll, I'll take my moves. I'll take them. They'll, they might not pay at, off. At, at this point, all of your moves were the correct moves. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no one wants to hear me gloat and showboat over them. I'm sure. Yeah. But I'll keep on doing it if you want. No, you you get you earned your couple of minutes. You you survived. So there we go. And honestly, our redraft league. Not not a kiddie pool. We we made it hard. It was short benches. I think we only had four players on the bench. So apologies to everybody who played in that league. I would actually say that that league, in some regards, was more competitive because we didn't have any teams that um, gave up. Everybody played all the way through. So congrats on winning the Dynasty League. It will still be here next year for all of you that are still playing. Um, if anybody gives up, I, there's a waiting list, actually, to get into the Dynasty League. All right. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, anything that we missed? Um, I actually would like to give a shout-out to special teams. I do think they played pretty phenomenally, and it's really weird to say as a Texans fan that yeah, no kidding. special teams is pretty great. Like, I, 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 like, again, I kind of fanboyed out and took notes for this entire – like, I watched the all – all 22 and took notes for like every single um, snap. Um, but yeah, like that was one thing I consistently like wrote down was just like special teams, man. They they actually played really well. They didn't win us the game, but they played really well. Um, I think they need a shout out. Yeah, definitely. Um, we do often overlook them when they do their jobs. And we only, you know, bitch and moan about them when they screw up. And they haven't screwed up in a little while. So no. we've got to also give out, give out, um, shout out to Bloxman. Yes, Bloxon. Bloxon. I also want to give a shout-out to that pooch kick. That, like, fake field goal pooch punt was just my favorite play of the game, I'm just going to say, but that's just a very (laughs) stupid I loved it. I loved it. But shout-out to Bloxon also. He he should be shout-out. I believe he has been on every form of Texans media, and he has definitely earned it. Two weeks in a row, he, he blocked a field goal. I hope he gets AFC special team player two weeks in a row. He deserves it. Yeah. And he's justifying that that contract that a lot of people were scratching their heads about this summer. Oh, every every one of those block field goals is like an extra $2 million that I feel good about us writing him. You know? All right. Um, Now if we hit everything. Yes, I think so. At least all my at least all my takeaways have been hit. This is your chance, man. Anything you want to say, get it out there now. Um, I don't know. You know, shout out to the Dynasty League. Um, uh, it was fun beating you guys' butt. Hope to see you all next year. Uh, other than that, like, shout out to you guys. Really great host. I really appreciated being on this podcast. Um, this is my first time on a podcast, so I hope I didn't talk over you too much or do too many podcast faux pas. No. Shout out to listeners also. No worries. I'm the most awkward podcast host ever. That's why James typically does it, and I avoid doing as many interviews as possible. And I'm even more awkward in person. Everybody has met me in person. I do apologize. I'm not purposely rude. I'm just awkward. All right. When I met you, I was just fairly drunk. So I, I <laughs> You gave me a hug, and you're like, who are you? I'm like, yeah. It was understandable. I was, I mean, it was Patriots. <laughs> you're like, yeah. Give, give me a great big hug. Who are you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm a nobody. I'm just here following everybody around. <laughs> All right. Well, definitely follow us on, on Twitter. Join our Discord if you haven't. You really should. Discord, again, I don't post as much as I should, I, but I do read it, and y'all are way, way entertaining. Sometimes you're the best part about the game, so shout out to all of our people on Discord, and it's way more positive than, than the Texans Reddit. However, we got our start on the Texans Reddit, so we still love y'all too, but the Discord's more fun. 
Um, let's see. I think we're still looking for somebody if they want to be interested in running our Instagram. Um, just somebody, if, if nothing else, to kind of push me and James to be more creative because there's things we could do, but we get lazy. And I think that's everything. Thanks again for listening. And I'm going to run the little drop. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.